hearts. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, would you just uh, take what Michael has prepared? Would you enliven it to our hearts and our minds? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Yeah, you can squeeze past. A slim young man like you, you just slip past. Anyway, good morning, everyone. Uh, you'll see from, oh, you don't see from the screen. Just talk among yourselves. You'll see from the screen <clears throat> the word remembering. And when Adrian asked me to talk about remembering and remembrance, there was all sorts of stuff going through my head. Because obviously, um, when we're here and we hear the bugle, it was beautiful, by the way, and we hear the revi or revali, and think about renewing and, and sort of uh, looking away from war, we maybe think of some stuff. Because there are certain things that initiate memories. So if you can think of a smell, is there a smell that anybody smells on their back to a particular point of time? What is it then? Anybody want to offer? Lavender. Okay, that's a good one. Anybody, any others? There you go. It's not clover rock reminds you of your granny. It's not lovely. And it, it is funny because they're very personal. So I want to think a wee bit about remembering. And I'm going to read a few verses because I'm going to come back to them later on because we're going to have communion or the Eucharist this morning. For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's something here that Paul's trying to say to a church in Corinth about the need to celebrate the Lord's death and resurrection, to remember it, but is it just simply memorialization? Is it simply almost like an epitaph somewhere? We use our memories every day. I met with a friend of mine who's a few years younger than me, and we had this conversation about a friend of ours, and we had an entire three-minute conversation without mentioning his name, because neither of us could remember. It was absolutely hilarious, because I said, yeah, you know, you're, yeah, and he knew I was struggling, and I knew he was struggling, and we never mentioned it. And then, of course, I'm going through the alphabet in my head. Any of you go through the alphabet? Yeah, you do. And sort of, I got the Z, and I had to go back around again. And by the time I got home, I sent him a text to say, you know who it was? Do you ever go into rooms and forget why you went there? <clears throat> do you ever come up and do a sermon and forget what you were going to say? But <clears throat> So, memory is simply the process of taking in information around us. And what we actually do is we, we log it, a bit like a computer, and then we store it with a view to sometime in the future retrieving it. So it's a three-stage process, and we do this subliminally. We move around, we take stuff in. It's a bit like whenever there's a quiz on television. Do you ever get the answer and you freak yourself out? Why did I know that? Because it's in the deep, dark recesses of your mind. I'm sure it's happened, Adrian, hasn't it? You're looking there. <laughs> so we make memories by encoding, by storing, and then by retrieving them. In my case, more often than not, not retrieving them, simply. So we have a number of different memories. There's a sensory memory. So you walk into a room, you smell something. You say, isn't that a beautiful smell? It's immediate. It lasts 10 seconds. You walk out again, like what I said 10 seconds ago, you probably won't remember. Short-term memory, which is, you know, from a few hours to a few days. And that's one that tends to often go as you get older. You forget what you did yesterday, but you can remember what you did 20 years ago. 
And then there's what we call working memory, but like a computer, you turn it on and it's running and you're talking and you're having a conversation and you don't think about it. And then there's long-term memory. And again, if you're thinking of people who've got memory loss, very often they'll, if you sing a hymn, for example, they'll join and sing the hymn. And we'll come back to that a bit. But as we get older, it's the retrieval part of it that begins to lose its faculty. And like my friend and I, we're having this conversation and suddenly you realize we remember different things about the same day. If you read the Irish news and the newsletter, you'd think you're looking at two different events because the editor looks at them from different. Ask people to describe a car crash and you'll find somebody will say, it was a brilliant Porsche and it was, you know, a 1932 model. Somebody else will say it was a red car, had a black one. Now, that's exactly the truth. And the truth somewhere in between because that truth was relative to that person's memory. So it's simply to say memory is something that's very personal. So do you remember, what was the name of the ranch in Bonanza? <laughs> Sign of a misspent youth. <clears throat> what was the name of the dog that the Russians sent into space in 1957? Like a, somebody, somebody's on a pub quiz. What type of animal was Goldie? This is a very straightforward one. You should remember the hints in the name. Uh, that is, yeah, Goldie the eagle. And I remember watching that on the news. The eagle escaped and people were trying to retrieve him. In which country did Soviet tanks crash and crush the Duke Czech regime? In 1968 it was, actually. Czechoslovakia, as it was then, in Prague. And then finally, <clears throat> where were you this day three years ago? Hands up. Can you remember? Yes. No, it wasn't a Sunday. Were you hearing it wasn't a Sunday? You see, he's just keen. That's the problem. See, that's, that's because factually he was thinking, I, when I said a day, it was the Sunday rather than a date. So sometimes it's the type of the question you're asked that retrieves the memory. It was a Thursday at Oh, you son. <laughs> There's always one, isn't there? This is what it must be like to be a stand-up comedian. I'm getting a wee bit of reverb. Is there... Can you cut that down a wee bit? There's a wee bit of echo coming back to me. Just a wee, thank you. Um, I remember where I was. I was in Rowallan, and it was beautiful. How did I remember? Amazon photos. Because every morning it comes up and it tells me what I did up to 18, 19, 20 years ago. And we use things like photos. We use things like diaries. We use things like our smartphones to recall. And you start off looking up a photograph, yes, and then suddenly 15 minutes later, oh yeah, that's there, and you're swiping, and even small children are now doing this. Let's see the video. Because we remember things differently. What was that? Do you remember the name of the four guys? Okay, go ahead. You're on the spot. No phone of friends, no. Adam, well remembered. Give him a clap. God, humor him. Right, all right. <clears throat> Do you know, I bet you everybody has a Betty impersonation up their sleeve somewhere, you know. <laughs> and I can see some people on the age of 25 going, who's Betty? <laughs> who's Betty, you know? And in saying that, you're saying a Greek word because it means to change. It means to change into something. Take your pick. The name of the host? Michael knows. No, Michael... Was he not Miles? He would be Michael Kilometers now for you younger people. Okay, after three, we're going to do the theme music. One, two, three. 
Look, we've lost the entire youth side of the church. <laughs> okay, look, a bit of humor, but it's really trying to say, why do we remember those things? Why do we remember a 50-year-old introduction? Because there was an Irishman with a broad Belfast accent. Jimmy was in the middle of all that, in the background. And bless him, he never changed it. A bit like Liam Neeson. You know, even if he's in Russia, he's still coming from Balamina. So what is it to remember? Well, I, I sort of asked a couple of people and then looked this up in the dictionary. To remember means to recall, to recollect. There's the re things coming in. Uh, remind or reminisce. But really, it's about bringing an image or a person or an event to mind. And some events <clears throat> are so emotional that they leave almost a mental scar. And some things you would love to forget. Is that right? Yeah. But you know, once you've seen something, you can't unsee it. And you just think of the news footage that's on. I, I really wish some of it I hadn't seen. But it scars you. And I'm sure there's something in maybe your life that's there and you wish you could forget it. But there's a different meaning of remembrance. In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, 233 times the word that we translate remember crops up. It's a five-letter word in English, three syllables there you can see in Hebrew, and the word is zakhar, zakhar. And it doesn't just mean to remember, but it means when you remember, you actually almost bring the person to life. You live in the moment. You make the past alive in the present. It's an intentional exercise. It's not simply mental aerobics, because if you were asking someone from a Hebrew tradition to remember something, oh yes, I remember that, recall, recollect, but to move beyond that would be to talk about the person as if they're there, to talk about their characteristics, reminisce about some of the stories. In other words, the person lives in that moment rather than simply a flash of a memory. It's so important because it doesn't really translate into English. You, you can't translate it. And so therefore, it translates those two, three, three times, remember or remembering. And then in the New Testament, the Greeks really didn't have the same word. So when we talk about remember, it's that classic short-term or medium-term memory, the working memory. Oh, yes, I remember that day, wherever you were. But I want to challenge us to move beyond that and to get into the Zakhar type of memory so that when we're remembering, whether it's a birthday or it's a death, whether it's a gift or a relationship, just remember that person as if they were there. Go back to that experience. Hold them not just in your thoughts. It's almost as though there's a physical being with them again. Because for a Hebrew, body, mind, and spirit weren't like for Greeks, separated into three things. Shalom means wholeness. It means fullness of your body, your mind, and your spirit. And therefore, to remember someone was never just a mental activity. It was an activity that involved the whole person. And sometimes it might be the smells. I was in St. Bride's Church in London a couple of years back, and this was a, an expo exposition they had of people who were journalists who were either killed or had died recently. And it was amazing just walking around. Everybody who came into that journalist church in Fleet Street, they were just saying, oh, I remember Peter Sissons. I remember, and all the people that I'd forgotten even had died, frankly. But it was held there, and there were candles together with it. Because this was not meant to be a mental exercise. It was meant to hold people in the memory. In the Old Testament, there's lots and lots of examples when God talks about memory. There were stones, there were events. You know, when great things happen, put a stone here so you will remember. God remembered Noah. Do you remember the flood? 
And that memory was more than simply remembering, oh, I get that guy out there with all those animals, that floating zoo. Come back to that in a minute. God saw the rainbow and he remembered. That wasn't just, oh, yeah, I remember the rainbow. He remembered the promise that the rainbow delivered and never again to flood the world. So that memory initiated something practical within God. There's a psalmist lament that says, God, have you forgotten to be gracious? I mean, in one sense, that's a nonsense. How could God forget to be gracious? But he was experiencing turmoil and a depth of desolation. And his rhetorical cry was, have you really forgotten about me? And we know that God doesn't forget, but that doesn't mean sometimes we don't feel alone. It's not the same thing. God doesn't forget. And then, do you remember in the Magnificat when we used to say such things, that God remembered his servant? And he remembered with, what did he do? He blessed her with a child. His remembering had practical application. It was never just this intellectual activity. So the Israelites lived in an act of remembering. I mean, every day they remembered where they'd come from. Every day they remembered that God delivered them. And that remembrance translated into how their value system was established, how they dealt with other people, and how going into the future they organized their, their society. So that zakar is to employ everything, your hands and your feet. It's a body activity. So as I said, whenever God remembered Noah, what did he do? The waters began to recede and the winds dropped. So remembrance, there's the word again, day. Once a year, we hear the bugle or the trumpet. We stand, we see a wreath. And for that moment, we remember the unnecessary wars that have happened all over the world. Unnecessary in the sense that if we lived at peace with one another, they shouldn't have happened. And we pray that the, there will be no need for war anymore. And we look to the book of Revelation, and we see that when we get to heaven, we're not even going to cry anymore. Because fear and war and bloodshed and hatred is all going to go away. But until then, there are physical ways in which we remember. And I just thought of a few here. You know, we have monuments, we have blue plaques, we have murals, or as my colleague calls them, murals on the wall. We have endowments. We have Carnegie libraries. You know, we have wings of hospitals named after people. There's national days of remembrance. You know, there's days for everything now. When I, I have a particular website, I can go on and find out what today is a day for. You know, a day for left-handed frogs or something. There's all sorts of stuff in there. Almost benign, but they're there. Cultural days of remembrance, which... In Northern Ireland, sadly, we tend to celebrate apart. And then there's religious ones. And whether that's to do with the Christian tradition or the non-Christian tradition, we think of Diwali as well, if we're thinking of other faiths. And then we have the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper or the Communion. And we have physical manifestation here. We have the bread and the wine. Just for a couple of minutes, I want to remind you why we do this stuff. Paul is bringing to memory something that was only 15 years ago. Think back 15 years ago. You can remember the year, probably. It's in your short-term to medium-term memory. It's still there. So when Paul recounted this, he was only talking about something that was 15 years old. Because Mark hadn't written his gospel yet. And Luke and Matthew are another 25, 30 years before they wrote theirs. This was around 50, 52 A.D., Jesus died somewhere around 33 to 35. So only 15 years had passed. And he said, it's important you don't forget this. 
And the fact that Jesus said, do this continually in remembrance of me is very clear. This is, this is kahal remembering. This is not our normal understanding. Oh, I remember that. It's not simply on the Sunday when we turn up remembering him. There was something to do with its replication. There was something to do with it being done in the future. Because in that act of sharing bread and wine, uh, it's a sacramental act. In the Protestant tradition, we have two sacraments, and this is one of them. And right through history, the Lord's Supper has been a central part of our Christian faith. It's been referred to as a saving sacrament. You know, people sometimes are struggling to meet God, and they meet him at the table. They meet him in that every whosoever will, that call of an open table. Now, if that only happens Sunday by Sunday, once a month, then it wouldn't be remembrance in the sense that the Hebrews wanted or in the sense that Jesus wanted. He's actually saying, I am giving you my body and my blood, and what I want you to do is for that to be the central focal point of your kahal, your remembering, because it's important that this is a new way of living. So it's not just a memorial feast. It's not just a symbolic act that we do when the Sundays come. But it's linked to proclamation. Paul says here, every time you drink and every time you eat, you are proclaiming. Not it's like you're proclaiming. He's actually saying your kahar, your remembering becomes incarnate. And what you do in that moment is to live again through that experience of the disciples 2,000 years ago because it has saving power. Sadly here, we remember things differently because of the so-called divided community. We've got different stories, question Catholic, Catholicism and Protestantism, two different religions still. And sometimes we don't know what the other thinks. We try to change the past, but we don't know how to do that. Because remembering has sometimes this ability to entrench the past and our views of the past. But we do have the ability to be creators and not consumers of the future. And if we live in the kahar moment, if what we're saying is we want to take fear from the other, then we've got to make sure that our future includes them, even if our past hasn't. In other words, what can I do to make their future better? Because that's exactly what Jesus challenged us to do. Love your enemy as yourself. And we need to see past, present, and future not like a line, but like a circle. Because when God stands above creation, there isn't a beginning and the end. He's not looking at this development chronologically of history. He's looking at everything he created in this globe. And he sees our beginning and our end. And therefore, for him, there isn't a past, present, and future. And what he wants us to do, he's calling us to live in that act of remembrance, that kahar, that we can actually make a difference. And what that is, it's remembering that we're surrounded by mercy and truth and shalom. And we're called to be agents of justice. And that's spiritual justice. It's social justice. It means that remembering is more than simply an intellectual ability. So how do we improve our muscle memory? Lots of different ways. You know, you do puzzles, you have your diets, you know, make sure your cholesterol's okay. You just Google it and you'll find all these things to develop your muscle memory. That will help you recall. And maybe when I meet my friend again, we'll remember the name of that third friend. But I want to challenge you today about your spiritual memory. How do we develop our spiritual memory? In the old days, people used to read scripture. It was daily notes or daily bread or something. People used to do memorizing of verses, and we had 
sword drill. Do you remember? You went along and people gave you a verse and you had to find it in your Bible and you held your Bible up when you got it. And now when you go to churches, often they'll say the reading is on page 723, often even omitting the name of the book because people are not familiar with Scripture anymore. I'm just observing. I'm not criticizing. Share in fellowship with others. It's important that we train our spiritual memories corporately because that's what Zahar is. The Hebrews celebrated remembering together. It was never a solo act. Ask questions if you're not sure about something. Why are we continuing to do this? What's all that about? Begin to ask questions. Don't leave with a question. And develop a thirst for discipleship. So the application today is to replace your recollection memory with a Zahar memory. To try to, when we pray, really focus on people and remembering them in the Kahar sense. When we reflect on our friends who are alive still and maybe aren't, that we, we lift them up in Zahar. When we meet others, we embrace them, we remember the good times, and it's not just a fleeting memory. When we read scripture, when we're in the passage, we, we're trying to remember all the things that we've learned from that passage. I have to say this isn't easy. It's not an easy thing. It takes time. But if we're really going to have acts of remembrance as something that daily is our light leading us through darkness, then we've got to work at it. We've got to develop our spiritual muscle memories. Let's pray. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Father, help us to be Zahar people. 